Hello and welcome to For the Love of Mary, a podcast series that tracks my journey to finding the relationship between the Virgin Mary and the position of women in Ireland. It's told through the conversations and stories shared with some of the most amazing women on this island. My practice as an artist is very much founded in the idea of gathering the stories of women and this project was no different. Supported by the Arts Council of Northern Ireland, SIAP Award, I was able to travel to meet with women, research the ideas that came up in our conversations, document shrines, all with a view of getting to the bottom of why she's so prevalent in Irish culture, and from that create new works of spoken word and poetry. I had no script, no questions drafted. So what you're about to hear are all very much responsive conversations. I hope you enjoy this journey just as much as I did. Don't forget to share and subscribe and thank you for listening. Hello and welcome to episode four of For the Love of Mary podcast. In this episode I get to speak to the absolutely wonderful actor and theatre maker Mira McCallion. Um, Her story and indeed her devotion is just pure joy um there's no other way to describe it she's just she's just lovely and um i hope that you listening to this that you get you get as much out of it as much fun out of it as i got recording it having the conversation with her it was just lovely um yeah so enjoy um you will hear you will hear sounds i mean because we both um i had to try and fit into mara's really busy schedule um and so we had to record it in the office that i work in and um you can hear the people moving around upstairs which sounds quite like quite thuddy a bit just because the microphones pick up so much anyway that's neither here nor there the story is still fantastic and just enjoy and I will see you on the, or we'll chat on the other side. All right. Cheers. So, can I have your name? My name is Mara McCallion and I'm from Derry. Awesome. Um, yeah, so, um, the Virgin Mary. Yes. And uh, we've just been chatting a wee bit beforehand, just giving you a brief on the project. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking to find out your stories. Well, I think she's always been a big part of my life. Um, I am a baptised Catholic, raised in the faith by my godmother, who was a big fan of Our Lady. <laughs> she was in the Legion of Mary, which sounds quite frightening, but it is actually a very beautiful thing, where she went and did good works. But one of my favourite things about Our Lady is that when I turned 18, all my friends uh, got money to go to Amsterdam, but my godmother took me to Lourdes, and I had a ball. <laughs> an absolute ball it was absolutely beautiful and believe me they party just as hard in Lourdes as they do in Amsterdam but when I went over I really did not know what to expect I knew I'd seen the song of Bernadette a million times I've been told the story I did not know what to expect in Lourdes and the only way I can describe the actual city itself is like it's like Bondorn there's a lot going on there's souvenir shops there's crazy souvenirs like uh after dinner months in the shape of miraculous medals made with Lord's water yeah but so you go through this this madness and, and you know, it's really busy and there's people selling things buying things groups meeting and then you walk into what they call the sanctuary and it is the most beautiful feeling 
that I think anyone could ever experience. You go from this loud, you know, kind of buzzy atmosphere and you just walk through these gates and it's just peace. It's so quiet and everyone is so respectful, which I thought was really beautiful because you've got every kind of person there, every colour, every creed, every age. And you could see, you went from groups of people who were obviously there in pilgrimage or then there was people who, who just looked like students that just called on to say hello to Our Lady and just sit and kind of take on that peace and that kind of serenity. And it was it really was beautiful. It was a very strange experience. I, I couldn't... I still don't really know how to describe it adequately, but it's a very special place. And I feel that that obviously is down to who appeared there and what she said and what she represented. But um, in my granny's house, there was always uh, the, the, the icon of Our Lady of Perpetual Sucker. And, you know, my granny always had a story about religious iconography. My granny told me the story of Mary Magdalene in the Da Vinci painting long before the Da Vinci Code was a thing. I'm sure she told my mommy too when she was growing up in the long towers above the altar and we were told it. That's Mary Magdalene. Because Jesus loved her. Judas was betraying him. And what man could cook a dinner for 13? <laughs> <laughs> that, that was how, you know, that was how it was, it was described to us. But when we would talk about Our Lady, you know, she would, the icon whenever I was a child was in her room. And I remember lying in bed and her telling me the story that Jesus is looking over his shoulder and he sees a crucifix, the child Jesus sees it, and it frightens him so much that his wee sandal falls off and he's all curled under his mommy because she protects him. Mm -hmm. So she was always a very protective, nurturing influence, I suppose. And of course then, when I became a teenager and my period came, and I, my granny and I were very close, but mommy would agree, I went on and I told her granny, you know, my period's come, and she says, oh, doctor, that's great. Sure, it's a gift from our lady. I was horrified and asked her if Our Lady was in the practice of keeping receipts because <laughs> a bath set would have been much nicer. <laughs> so I got in a bit of trouble for that. But yeah, I, I just think that even in St. Eugene's where I went to school, we would have walked up the back steps, past the grotto and the cathedral grounds and out to walk to my granny's for my lunch and after school. And we always would have touched Bernadette's heel and blessed ourselves at the grotto. It was just what you did. It was just part of the walk home. And I remember her heel was always kind of shiny. I suppose from the many, many years of people walking past, touching it, blessing themselves. So I suppose, she, yeah, she was always there and a part of our life. You know, and we weren't, we weren't a particularly dogmatic Catholic family. You know, it was, we weren't raised to believe, you know, that certain people weren't going to get to heaven or that, you know, people were wrong for who they loved. But it was always a very loving kind of relationship. And Our Lady was always described, much like we were talking about before, that, you know, this woman who had brought God into all our lives in human form and who had suffered and who was his mammy. You know, I suppose being Irish as well, we are we do have this culture of your mammy, the ban and tea, the head of the house, you know, and stories about Our Lady. I mean, things like the wedding feast of Cana, where he said, woman, my time has not yet come. But then he did it anyway, because it was his mommy that asked him to help these people, because there she was again saying, can you not help these people? They're embarrassed. So when I say my prayers, which I do say, I never go directly to God. I circumvent. <laughs> I say to Our Lady, Our Lady, I'm, I'm in trouble here and I, I really need help. Would you ask him? Because he won't say no to you. You're his mommy. Mm. She's never let me down. 
<laughs> she has never let me down. <laughs> oh, I love that. So yeah, that's I suppose yeah, our lady has always been a very peaceful and and, and beautiful thing. And I suppose yeah, my and your name. My yeah. name, yeah. Well I did I obviously didn't choose that, but when I was born I of course came into the world as dramatically as I remain and I decided that I was leaving and that I was they thought that I was gonna die at birth. My mommy had had an emergency cesarean, she was knocked out and they said to my father we're going to baptize this child because there's you know the chance that she might not live and my daddy who's an Irish speaker said he wanted me called Mara which the, obviously they had more pressing matters to think about so they threw some holy water around me baptized me to make sure that you know I would if I was going to die I would die a wee Christian and later when they went to baptize me the official ceremony in the Nazareth house I believe it was they said you know what's the name that you're going to give your daughter and my daddy said oh her name's Mara and the priest, who must have been an Irish speaker himself, went, actually, we're not really supposed to call people that because if you want to call her Mary, then the translation in Irish is Myra. But Myra is a literal Mary for Our Lady. So we would kind of encourage you not to use a reserved form of my dad. I said, oops. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Padre, but the deed has been done so I'm actually named after her literally Our Lady which is always fun to explain when people say what does your name mean and I have to look them in the eye and say my name means Mother of God and what's yours <laughs> and what does it mean <laughs> I, remember, that one. I remember one time a friend of mine who has her, her, her name spelled Neve as an N-A-O-M-H as in you know, the saint form not, not Neve the princess of Tiernanoke N-I-N-A-M-H but she was carrying on one day and she was talking about, it must have been in school or something, she was like saying, well, my name means saint, so I rank you. And I said, oh, honey, <laughs> my name means mother of God, so I outrank you all. <laughs> it's always fun to explain my name. But I love it. I've, I've grown, I didn't really, I suppose whenever I was younger, when I was explaining it, it didn't seem strange to me because it was always, but it I know there's more than me, I know there's more than one Murrah knocking about, but it does raise a few eyebrows. So it's spelt, instead of the M A F A I R E of Myra, it's M U I R E. Yeah. Or if you're going to say it as in Hail Mary, Shade of Ahahawara. And I always say, hey. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Hmm. Um, yeah, because it, it's quite a. If you're not an Irish speaker and you like to see it mm -hmm. I guess it causes a lot of problems I, with how people pronounce it so, so many I have been called many many things uh, usually people will say Mora and I'm like well you did it was a manful attempt well done or Weary was another one Siri on my phone hasn't a clue nobody has me saved in their phone as Mora it'll be either sister or big cousin because if you say Siri phone Mora she hasn't a clue god love her oh she, nice. she doesn't know she has to learn. Um, but <laughs> whenever it comes to, I suppose, explaining it to people, yeah, it was just like, well, this is what it is. And I suppose it's it's, it's an, a, a nod. And if you look at the kind of respect and love that Irish people have had for Our Lady throughout the years, yeah. that she wasn't just Myra. You know, she wasn't, she had a separate form specifically for her 
setting her apart and I do feel like even if you look like we were talking about the amount of grottos yeah in Ireland there's a lot of love for our lady in Ireland and I wonder often is that linked into the kind of respect and love that we hold mothers in in our culture or we'd like to think mm. that we do I mean obviously we look at horrible and awful things like the Magdalene laundries and that was just everything that is wrong mm. with you know with Catholicism with that time in Ireland where it was just we put these women away. But when you look at things like you know, Mother Ireland, mm-hmm. you know, things like that, there is a lot of maternal kind of themes throughout our history and throughout our myths. Yeah, I think the feminine the feminine deity in Ireland is definitely a big mm-hmm. it's a, a big factor. Um and I've been looking so my research has taken me to very strange places. Um and we, we find a grotto and it was the first time I'd seen it the Marian year 1954 mm-hmm. I knew nothing of this so obviously that set off a rabbit hole of what is the Marian year mm-hmm. and yeah apparently it was a global initiative but Ireland was the con- the one country in the world that really embraced it that well, really took it on that's long before our time we're too young you know it's yeah, totally of yeah of course totally <laughs> way but yeah it was um, kind of interesting that, that Ireland really embraced this mm-hmm. idea of 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 Mary in such a such a huge huge way. I suppose even obviously when it comes to things like the love for the mother, but also maybe the suffering mother, because you know Ireland is always depicted as the suffering mother who's you know who loses her children to war, who loses her children to famine, who loses them to emigration. And so you, and well, <laughs> the big one. But you know you can see the links there why people would be drawn to her because there's a very human. I mean, obviously, Our Lady was a human, you know, she was a, a, a woman, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that we obviously can relate to that in a huge way because we're human too. And she was chosen in her humanity yeah. to do something so massively important. And I know that, you know, if people are saying, Our Lady, you know, she, it's about her, she complies and she's obedient. But she was also a bit of a rebel. Like, she was an unmarried mother. <laughs> Yeah, way back when you could be stoned to death for that kind of thing. Like, I mean, would you not have loved to been a fly on the wall whenever she was explaining to the man that she was going to get married to? Yeah. By the way. Yeah, I'm this team. I'm quite young because she was quite. She was very young. Very young. Very young. You know. Very young at the time, and you know, and and Joseph could have divorced her. You know, essentially. Could have walked away. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because they were betrothed, and it's the same thing as divorcing, Mm -hmm. which is totally unheard of, but. Yeah, he could have he could have completely disowned her and and walked away, and she would have been left in sort of in ruin. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, she's quite brave, very very incredibly brave. I think the story, and I think that um, her the suffering mm-hmm. is definitely. I mean, I always imagine you know the whole like her, whenever she goes to look for him, you know the whole like when he's twelve and he's off and. You know, Who's doing my father's work? And then I don't understand. Like you're a young man, mm-hmm. <laughs> there'll be none of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you get yeah. your mother is very upset. The house, no, get home. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. in deep trouble. I'm doing my father's work. Well, you'll not be doing it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Feel grounded. You will learn yeah. today, Jesus. Yeah, you wait until you're an adult, and then when you're an adult and you're no longer under my roof, um, yeah. I, I, I imagine there's. Uh, we have. Um, I was given a wee given a wee statue of um of Mary because <laughs> I've been collecting them 
Um, big massive fan now of Tacky Villages merch. I have one from Lourdes that is glitter and changes colour according to the weather. Mm. I know. Mm. That's the kind of stuff you can get in Lourdes. Oh my goodness, I thought we could. I went to Knock for the first time in November and that was amazing. That was mm-hmm. like, that was an unbelievable experience. It was. Vampire Apocalypse, I know exactly where I'm going because there are holy water fountains out here in the, like, by the dozen. Or safe. <laughs> Yeah, nearby. totally safe. <laughs> this is the place to go. But again, as you were explaining it, as you were saying about the Lourdes, um, the serenity and the, yeah. the total and utter stillness. There's yeah. nothing else. Just stillness that is in that shrine. Mm-hmm. When you go in, it's, it's an, like all hair stand. It's so... It's it's just it's an ineffable thing mm-hmm. to to to. And even if you're if you're somebody who you know is maybe atheist or doesn't believe, you know that's fine, but you can't deny that whether or not you believe it's you know because of a deity that there is a human element of just togetherness because everyone's there. Maybe not for the same reason, but there's definitely a shared kind of purpose. Like we're here to look yeah. at something that is held in very high esteem and respect. I mean, I, for example, I'm not Buddhist, but if I was going into a temple, I took off my shoes. So there's a respect mm. for the belief that people have and the devotion that people have. I think that's important too, because even if you don't believe in something, you can respect other people's beliefs and go and visit their holy places mm-hmm. and experience them yourself. It mightn't change your views. You might come out and think, well, that, but you can see the human connection there, which is beautiful. Yeah. Um, there's a huge map and... <clears throat> excuse me. There's a huge map at the beginning, at the sort of like at the entrance point, and it has like all the details of what, what bits and where they are. And mm. we found Mary's garden on the map. And it's like, right, we have to find Mary's garden. I need to find this place. And we find it totally by accident. I'd come out of the toilets and I'd gone round the corner waiting for him to come out and uh, there it was I was like oh, this is amazing but it's just it's such an unassuming little nook mm-hmm. in the grounds and there's a statue of of this very it's a very young impression like a real it's not that that mother it's a it's the child it's the child of yeah, yeah. but in the stonework next to it um, there's it's, it's incredible the stone itself has all of these little holes in it naturally occurring holes and you can see if you look up really close you can see where people have written little things on pieces of paper rolled them up and stuffed them into the stone and I just think that idea of like what those messages must mean and you know that to make that journey make that pilgrimage and have write your petition and, and insert it in the wall and walk away and just having that trust and that faith that mm-hmm. I've left it now where it it's needs to be it's in her hands and whatever happens from here happens and that's it it's it's an incredible I mean you know I think there's something there's something amazing that you can only experience in that sort of place you mm. know I, 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 I'm not I'm not religious Mm-hmm. My, my degree is in theology but I'm not religious but I used to love going to midnight mass at Christmas the theatre <laughs> the theatre of it I mean like I, I don't go to mass mm. I haven't been to mass in years I have huge problems with the I'm an Irish Catholic I obviously have huge problems with the Catholic Church what it has done 
primarily to women and to children and to, to everyone. You know, there's nobody that hasn't suffered at the hands of the Catholic Church in Ireland. But I try to divorce the man-made yeah. side of it. And I, you know, it's very, I can't, I could not go into a Catholic church now and say, I believe in you, you're right. Because I know what they've done. And I'm sure that's only the tip of the iceberg, you know. So I have kind of walked away from that side of my faith. I don't want to be associated with that. But I do strongly believe I believe in Our Lady, I believe in the Divine, I believe in an afterlife. But I'm having some big problems with the Catholic Church. Find me find me a woman in Ireland that doesn't you yeah. know. It's it's a it's a very difficult time. Yeah. Very difficult. And it's it's I was baptized Catholic, I went to Catholic schools. But I'm not I don't go anymore. I don't. But funny, I like hearing the rosary. Like when you're saying about midnight mass. There's something very beautiful about the rosary and it's very meditative you know that call and response and you have the bead and you work the bead and it's you know what comes next you know what it means i suppose it is like a meditation in a way because you are just repeating 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 and it's i find that very soothing yeah mm-hmm. but then again if i walk in there and there's a man leading it i think oh <laughs> oh no don't know don't know about that but okay <laughs> it's she's for everybody she's not just for she's for everybody yeah i mean i think um you know uh there's something about the idea that as human beings we are inherently built to seek out co- connection in other human beings and when you feel an emotion yourself sometimes it can be overwhelming and it's and in, in just in that that's solitary um, side but when two people are feeling the same emotion at the same time in the same place it can be incredible when you have a bunch of people in a place and I think that that's the, the places like Knock and Lourdes mm-hmm. and that you know you have people coming together with a very co- with a common theme yeah, and experiencing something together and that euphoria that's there and that stillness and I think that if that's what people, if that's how people need to live and what they need in order to get them from a, maybe uh, through a dark time or through a bad place. I have sat at the foot of Mary in really dark times and I'm not even, you know, but yeah. I'm sure she was listening. 16 and pregnant and sat in a chapel at the foot of Mary going, oh my goodness, what am I going to No better there? woman to talk no to. Better. Yeah. <laughs> she knows. Yeah, true. Yeah, but, um, but even when you think, I mean, and I could be completely misremembering this historically, but wasn't one of the girls that gave birth in Ireland? They found her at the foot of our lady. Right, yeah. God, you know that's where she went mm-hmm. because, she, and I don't know if she was of strong belief. I don't know, but I know that that's where she went mm-hmm. to give birth, and I just thought that is the most tragic, sad, and you know, in a country that at the time did not have time. But, you know what they would have seen as a fallen woman yeah you know that's just it's heartbreaking to think about but did she find comfort or did she think you're you're like me you're a mother you know i guess we'll we'll never know we'll never we? know we but it is know. a but it is a story that has come up time and time mm-hmm. again that that's the one that we all kind of we all know and we all remember mm-hmm. um 
so much. You're welcome. It's been a very nice conversation. <laughs> it has. It's been lovely. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Yay! <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode four of For the Love of Mary podcast. Thank you to the Arts Council of Northern Ireland for supporting me as an artist through the SIAP Award and allowing me to um, be able to conduct these conversations and recordings and make these podcasts for you, the listener. Um, please show your support by doing the like and share and subscribe thing. Um, still have loads more stories um, and loads more fabulous uh, women to to work through keep listening and i will catch you next time